Hey, what's up, everybody? Today I am interviewing Allie Brooks. She is an amazing social worker here in Madison, Wisconsin. She has teamed up with Maureen Cassidy to offer an empowerment class for girls covering mental health, sexual health, reproductive health, relationship health, basically all the things that we all needed to learn when we were girls but maybe didn't learn until we were in our 30s or 40s. These ladies are teaching girls how to do that now and it's incredible. She's also an artist and works with uh, people, women in particular, who are survivors of trauma and ready to take their lives back. Her website is medicineforthehart.com, and it was a pleasure talking with her. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? I am here with Allie Brooks. I'm really excited to be in her beautiful, lovely, sunny, gorgeous condo tucked away in a secret spot that no one can ever know about because <laughs> then I'm sure people would be swarming to get in this building. That's right. <laughs> and can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Hi, everybody. My name is Allie Brooks, and I'm super excited to... Um, be talking with you today and to be in my beautiful sunny I call this the treehouse temple of the sun because oh. I feel like it's just all day gorgeous sun and it just feels like I'm in a treehouse and so I loved your explanation of it that it just feels like it's in the secret magical fantasy land so <laughs> yeah yeah so I am I'm a clinical social worker and so um, I, I work with a lot of women who, um, who have experienced trauma, who, um, have been diagnosed with complex post-traumatic stress disorder or PTSD or depression or anxiety. And I do a lot of, um, trauma healing work. So I mostly use EMDR as well as a lot of mind, body awareness, meditation, um, do a lot around just working with healing the nervous system and helping bring people from the fight or flight place to um, a place of calm. And um, a lot of the therapy I do has to do with reconnecting with your power. And so I come from that empowerment framework. Um, and yeah, and so doing therapy um has definitely led me to think a lot about like what kind of prevention work could happen that could prevent some of um, some of the worst parts of what women and teen girls and young women go through. And so I was super excited to hear about or to um, to, to to do this work with girls and I've done a lot of, work with youth in the past but the way that I see it is like we're doing this prevention work and it doesn't mean that we can prevent girls from experiencing suffering but what kind of skills both hard and soft skills do girls need in order to thrive and in order to in in order to deal with you know the difficulties of living in this world um and feel empowered so yeah can you give an example of maybe like a three minute centering 
Sure. Yeah. Thing. Let's do that. Okay. That's a great idea. Okay. <sighs> so typically I like to start all my therapy sessions with a little um, centering meditation. And um, so, yeah, I just like to start with taking a couple deep breaths. And just taking a moment to notice the sounds in the room. Feeling into our toes. Feeling into our fingers. And just noticing ourselves coming more fully into our bodies. More fully into this moment. And just repeating to ourselves silently, I am here. Just directing our consciousness towards being in the present moment. And noticing the sensations of the breath. And just tuning into our heart centers. Sometimes I like to just put my hand on my heart and put my other hand on top of that hand. And noticing, <laughs> noticing that shift from when we first started um, and for me I'm noticing like the colors feel more vibrant and I just feel more of myself here um, so thanks for that prompt thank you I notice as soon as I start putting attention on parts of my body I just drop in mm -hmm. too yeah totally and I'm in the room now. I'm not mm -hmm. in my car lugging in gear and I'm mm -hmm. not driving over looking at Google Maps. I'm I'm here now. Mm -hmm. So and it's so short. It's like, yeah, totally. Two minutes maybe that was. Mm -hmm. And it it's crazy how big of a difference it makes um, in terms of focusing attention yeah. in the room. And I know it's amazing. Yeah. My go to whenever I'm noticing that I'm not present is I'll just bring all of my awareness into my hands. Mm. Um, hands mm -hmm. yeah and I tend to feel like a lot of that's like the place in my body where I can feel energy most easily um so like I've done a little bit of like Reiki and energy work where you can really feel like you can feel this energy building in your hands but when I bring my attention to my hands that is like the easiest shortcut um from being in the realm of thoughts to being in this moment so I like that as a really that's a good go-to for me but speaking of meditation um one of my best friends who I've also collaborated with on other projects her name is Sarah Moore and she does this free meditation the Monona Terrace every mm. week and it's like the Monona Terrace has collaborated with um SSM Health and so 
um, I'll sub for her every once in a while. And it's like a 45 minute guided meditation, completely free. And so I've done that the last three weeks. And I just noticed my week, I was so much more mindful just from doing that extended meditation and doing it with other people just enhances the power of it, I think. Yeah. So I loved that. And I, um, yeah, I just noticed that I was doing a lot less rushing and was able to like find my center more easily. Um, I like what you were saying too about hands because I was just having this conversation about because I'm a body worker and I practice energy work as well. And um, I've always uh, thought that hands are instruments mm-hmm. that they can offer information, but they're also really good at listening. And so, uh, and I think they're forgotten. Like they have an intelligence. And I I know I've heard people talk about the gut having an intelligence Mm -hmm. and like somehow that the gut is connected to the brain. But for me, the hands are everything because you can hear touching someone's body in like a tender loving way even if you're not rubbing even if it's just like healing touch Mm -hmm. or even off the body in the energy field there's communication happening Mm -hmm. and your brain really has nothing to do with it it's all in your hands that's really powerful it's Mm -hmm. so wonderful and so powerful so but it's interesting because when I'm doing like a meditation that you just did for us the I hardly ever focus on my hands. It's always on my feet. Hmm. But now that you mentioned that, I'm totally going to start focusing uh-huh. on my hands. I love that we're talking about hands because <laughs> I could just go so many directions with this. And it does remind me of the girls group a lot because, yeah, I feel like hands are, they are like this instrument to bring like our spirit into like the practical realm. You know, yeah. like we need our hands and yeah people without hands can still do a lot of these things as well but like when I think of the girls they live in this a lot of them live in their phones Mm. and there's a lot of cool things that can happen on your phone and with the internet but just bringing them into the material world Mm -hmm. um by sometimes we'll have them like sew um or any kind of handwork. And I've seen this a lot with my clients. I was working with a, a woman who was 20 and we, um, she didn't want to do, or like she was just, wasn't a great candidate for talk therapy. Yeah. Um, and so, but she also wasn't a great candidate for EMDR cause she mm-hmm. wasn't really ready for that. So we did a lot of art therapy. And one of the things we did was we sewed over the course of many weeks, we sewed like a, a weighted blanket. Like we went to oh. St. Vinny's and got like denim, like big jeans and stuff. And we like cut it all up mm-hmm. and we got rice and we put it in like plastic bags and we sewed it. And just working with your hands, it brings you into the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so empowering to be able to create something physical, you know, to be like, I like with the girls group, we sewed little aromatherapy rice bags you know mm-hmm. where um we put like essential oils and herbs and rice and then we sewed it and they could like you can heat it up in the microwave and put it on your eyes oh. and just something about that I think is being able to create something I know for me as an artist that's like the fast track 
to meditation for me or joy or anything is creating something. Yeah. And so that's a big part of what I want to, um, what I want this girls group to provide for the girls is these kind of ongoing hard skills that can help them on a day-to-day basis with anxiety or whatever it is. Um, I want you to talk at some point, like more specifically what the girls group is, what ages it's for, how it started, how many sessions it is. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to, I want to also just say, everything that you're talking about with creating, I feel like one of the things, cause I came into this thinking because you are working with, um, is it preteens? Yeah. So I love working with middle and high school uh-huh. and, um, I have another friend who were more focused on doing the high school, um, but Maureen and I, we found that Maureen Cassidy, Maureen Cassidy. Yeah. So I guess I can, I can just back up and do like the elevator yes, thing. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Maureen and I are collab Maureen Cassidy, who's a photographer. We're both creative entrepreneurs. And so part of our collaboration is, um, stemming from both of us in our own lives, having found a lot of joy in our adult lives um, and finding a career and a vocation that aligns with our passions and also aligns with us as creative beings. Um, And so I think there's so many different pieces of the girls group that I think makes it really powerful and exciting and just essential work for girls. But one of them is I want them, I want the next generation of girls to be able to see models of people who are living their best lives and doing work in the world that lights them up and um, that there's so many different paths. And I think for me, I always wanted to be an artist, but I didn't think I could be an artist because it wasn't going to make money or blah, 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 blah. And so when I think of the the young girls, I just want them to um, have role models of like, there's so many different paths to get to where you want to be. And um, so that was a big thing for Maureen and I is um, coming together to, um, uh, to provide an experience for girls where they um, feel held in a container at like a space that is rooted in um, them feeling a sense of belonging, feeling seen, mm-hmm. feeling heard, just being in a space where they're getting this unconditional positive regard. And that's one of the things in therapy that I think is really powerful is just being with somebody who's giving you unconditional positive regard mm-hmm. is so powerful. And I think it's the same with the girls that, um, it's amazing. Sometimes I'm like, all, all I'm doing is just being there and attuning to them. And it's this transformative experience, right? Yeah. Because how often do you get that outside of like your parents? Um, and so, so that's one piece of it is, is this experience of being in a circle and being seen and being a, in a space um, that is supportive. Um, and there, so the group you do with her is middle school 
Yeah. So what we found the best, so we kind of, we want to do a variety of things. So right now we have like an ongoing group where that's four sessions. And, um, so we've found that for that work, like fifth, sixth and seventh grade seems to be like where it's at for, for that particular group. Because once they get into eighth grade, it's like a whole nother thing's going on. So Uh I would love to do like a separate thing with eighth grade and high school. Yeah. But I think the fifth, sixth and seventh grade, um, Mm -hmm. there's, it's kind of this perfect opportunity where what I see in them is like, they are just, they're full of themselves, you know, like it's before this adolescence hits where they get all this self doubt Mm -hmm. and they are just, they're themselves and they're kind of at that top of that developmental, you know, um, period. Mm -hmm. And so I love working with them because they want to come and talk and share and like (laughs) be themselves. And, um, and so we do a lot of, yeah, a combination of hard and soft skills. So we talk a lot about, um, like body image and eating disorders and self-love and practicing self-compassion and, Mm -hmm. Um, and then we do usually a class on assertiveness. And so Ooh. really practicing. Wow. That, yeah. that is a good one. Totally. Yeah. So I that's mean, a all huge, of it, but yes, the assertive, cause like after, you know, the whole me too movement, mm-hmm. I found in my therapy practice that all of a sudden I was doing, you know, most of the work I was doing was around, sexual assault um, mm. because it's so common right and um and the me too movement was just an opportunity I think for for everyone to really acknowledge <laughs> what the what the reality is which is that you know the majority of women female-bodied people will experience some type of you know sexual harassment and or it, it sounds like the work that you're doing too is touching on because I've talked with people about this where my memories of some of my first sexual experiences were um, by the time my bra was unsnapped, I was just realizing I didn't want my bra unsnapped. It's sort of like I didn't know myself well enough to understand the feelings that I was having as I was having them. Mm-hmm. So rather, instead of having a boundary, knowing what the boundary was, knowing when it was crossed, it was like after the fact, mm-hmm. and now there's hands on my boobs Mm -hmm. and oops I didn't really want that but now it's happening so is that my fault is it like it's sort of like where's my accountability and I think the work that you're doing it sounds like twofold because one is getting in touch with your feelings as Mm -hmm. they're happening Mm -hmm. and like what's right for you Mm -hmm. where is your voice yes and then the second part is using your voice Mm -hmm. when you know you have those feelings Mm -hmm. and the assertiveness part yes so it just feels like it covers every base Mm -hmm. of that kind of interaction totally yeah and I think the um yeah the assertiveness training you know, it covers so many different issues. Um, and one of them is around like sexual harassment and, um, sexual abuse and consent and Mm -hmm. all of that stuff and dating. And I think for them, for one, um, they're experiencing a lot of stuff that I never experienced with like social media and just the vulnerability of social media and how, um, how that impacts them. But then, um, I think a lot of it is it all comes back to um, to 
again, helping them come into their bodies, Mm -hmm. recognize what they're feeling, acknowledge what they're feeling, not repress what they're feeling, Mm -hmm. not second guess what they're feeling, but just be like, I'm okay. My body's telling me I'm uncomfortable in this situation. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? What do I need to do to take care of myself? So these are all things that like we're trained out of, you know? And so it's almost like, yeah, giving them. And I think the practicing, like the actual, it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to like be in a role play or oh, stand. Oh, do you do that your in body. your groups? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. wow. We're like, we're actually practicing so that they have that, that muscle memory of saying no or standing yeah. in a sort of pose. And so next, next spring, um, we're going to be bringing in, um, a couple of people who do this assertiveness training in Madison that's called Sh- Shimera, I think. Hmm. Um, but that's going to be amazing. Cause that's, then that'll be more like different situ- situations where like somebody grabs your wrist and like, oh. so kind of self-defense, mm-hmm. but more like in the, in the, like, what about if you're, your uncle wants to give you a hug and you don't want to give him a hug. Like those kind of scenarios that are usually like, we don't even acknowledge those little tiny, those moments where somebody violated your boundaries, but it was like, you know, that would be something that when I was a child, I wouldn't even question. I'd be like, Oh yeah, somebody's giving me a hug and I don't want them to give me a hug. Mm -hmm. Now we live in a time where they actually have the opportunity to, um, to say something and the culture is going to support it a little bit more than it did in the past, you know? Yeah. And so I'm excited for them that they get to, um, yeah, they get to practice these things and talk about their, talk about it with their friends. And it's going to be more of a part of their, their growing up. And when I look back at my teen years, I'm like, Oh, that would have been amazing if I had the skills to be able to process what was happening but there wasn't, I didn't have the words for it. There was no space that was even acknowledging that that was like a part of our reality. So it'll be really cool. I want to do some, like, I, I would love to like stay connected with these girls and like see how, what their high school years are like and how it's different than, you know, what me and Maureen experienced. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, I think I'm a different generation than you are I'm in my 40s but um just what you're talking about it feels like such a gift because I think that a lot of even without uh any overt trauma growing up where you feel like your voice isn't being heard and if it were being heard it wouldn't really matter because you're supposed to kind of go with the flow of what's culturally like what the cultural norms might be for me that felt like a disconnect not only am I not connected to myself then I'm not connected to the people around me Mm -hmm. they're not seeing me Mm -hmm. so then that I'm not seen feeling turns into mental health issues pretty quick absolutely (laughs) and so just the fact that you're talking about that's one of it sounds like one of the pillars of what you guys are doing in those groups is this is a space where you're going to be seen and you're going to be heard and you're going to have the opportunity to see and hear yourself. Mm -hmm. It just sounds incredible. And it Mm -hmm. reminds me there's this, there's this practice. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called circling and it's a group meditation. And basically you are in a circle. The ones that I've done have anywhere from like, five to eight people 
And there's one person, I think there's a lot of different ways to do it, but the ones I've done, there's one person who is the focus of the meditation. And after you do centering and sort of tuning into your own body and your state that you're in, then you direct your attention towards the person who's being circled. And for an hour or so, your entire being is holding space for them and trying to understand who they are and where they're coming from. So they have a choice to talk or not to talk, but the responses that you give are basically trying to understand and get them. Mm -hmm. And there's no judgment. There's no questioning of, well, why would you think that? Unless Mm -hmm. it's trying to understand. If they say, I'm sad, sad like a feeling in your body or sad like you want to cry or sad like something happened today like it's Mm. just all about Mm -hmm. them and it's so profound and the last one that I went to the woman cried the whole hour Mm -hmm. she's like I have never felt this scene Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. to have all of you holding me with such compassion and tenderness in this space it's profoundly moving and it Mm -hmm. really it's transformative so the fact that these girls are getting an experience like Mm -hmm. that so early Mm -hmm. at this pivotal time where they're just becoming a new version of themselves Mm -hmm. you know totally I know it's so exciting I love it yeah one of the parents we've done some like focus groups and um to try to get more feedback about what worked and a lot of what we've heard is that they want like longer. They want it to be more intense. Like this isn't ah. enough. We need more. And like usually because we've done like four week things and mm-hmm. at the end they'll be like um, more sessions, you know, because it's like we're just getting to this place where they um, start to trust each other and feel comfortable. So we would love to, you know, next year we'll be looking at different ways that we can fund something like that. Oh, but yeah. Yeah. I think that um, that the messages in society are so deep and just so prevalent and everywhere and and so we need a a bigger contradiction to that you know so I think having like a longer session or staying connected more we just need more to um yeah this isn't enough just a four-week class isn't enough to counter everything that they're getting every day in the outside world um so because I think yeah. So, okay. Back to the focus group that I was saying. Um, one of the parents said that, um, she had sent her daughter because she was really struggling with body image issues and mm-hmm. she felt like the group was like a really good boost to her confidence. Um, but then yeah, something comes up at school and like, um, it's, it kind of knocked her back down. And uh. so I would love for this to become a regular space. If we could figure out, you know, the money component where we could work with, girls over a longer period of time even um yeah because what happens when something comes up to be able to ha- know you're going to be at group next week or something and talk about it and that's the yeah. best is like when we can really work with what's happening in their lives and so the more because this is like we've done four or five I think we've done five different groups mm-hmm. and um so now we have a lot of different scenarios that are like real life scenarios that we can bring in to the circle and say okay so this is what if what if this happens and have them process that um so I think yeah like we had a situation where one of the girls was feeling harassed on social media 
by another person um, who was also in middle school. Um, So just these very kind of complicated situations of like, what if somebody is messaging you in your DMs and they're saying that they're going to hurt themselves if you mm. don't, you know, send them a picture, whatever it is. Like, I don't even understand what yeah. they face, but it's those kind of things where it'll be like some threatening thing where like, um, I'm going to do something if you don't, you know, just that Trying kind of manipulate pressure. a little bit. Yeah. Manipulative behavior, mm-hmm. but it has to do with like, I'm going to kill myself or that kind of stuff where uh. it's like, that's something that's come up several times. Interesting. I don't know that that seems to be an issue that they're struggling with, but, um, what was I saying about that? Oh, just that, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is very contextual and there's not like a formula of like, this is what you do in this situation. Mm. It's more like teaching them again to just check in with themselves and their own intuition and giving them the power back to them of like, you already have the answers within you and we can help you and um, practice with you of listening to yourself um, and listening to what you're needing and, but there's no, there's no like rule. It's, it's, you know, it's like a, it's an art. Um, right. It's not like if X happens, then you do Y and Z. Right. Every situation is different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I was going to say, and I always forgot what it was. Oh yeah. So, um, another thing is just saying no, you know, like saying no is really hard, even if it's like, do you want to spend the night on Saturday night? And your girlfriend is asking, yeah. do you want to spend the night? Like just disappointing people. Anything that's not like people pleasing is so yes. outside of what they're taught that um, we've been practicing that kind of stuff too. And so we had them like write down different scenarios that they wanted to practice saying no in. Yeah. And that was really powerful. And that was powerful for me because that's something that I've worked on a lot in my adult life because mm-hmm. I was such a people pleaser and had such a hard time saying no that <laughs> totally. it's something that like I'm working on it right there with mm-hmm. them. Um, but oh that, my God. that was really cool. And I loved their, their like suggestions for the things that, that I reminds me. I just took this off your Facebook page cause I was looking at your page going, what, oh, yeah. what am I going to talk about today? Um, but yeah, just one more follow up with the no thing. Um, I think like sometimes it's it's easier to start with like the small things, right? Like someone wants to borrow your pencil and you say no because you just don't want them to borrow your pencil. Um, practicing saying no and exposing yourself to that discomfort of like, okay, I said no and somebody wanted something from me <gasps> and I didn't give it to them. And feeling that anxiety or feeling mm-hmm. that discomfort in those small situations mm-hmm. makes it so much easier when like something much bigger happens. Like somebody asks you to be in a relationship with them or, yeah. or you have to break up with somebody. Like those kind of things where like you have to disappoint somebody, but it's what is best for you. And that's what I want them to learn is like you do what's best for you. Yeah. And this whole training and this whole paradigm that women have been in for so long of like, let me take care of everyone else. Mm -hmm. And then somehow then my needs will get met. It's like that, that's not working for our generation, (laughs) for my mom's generation. Mm -hmm. And so how can we support them and not, not getting, um, out of, out of center with what's, what's in alignment for them and teaching them that 
it's okay to take care of yourself first. And that's the best thing you can do for the people around you is to really take care of yourself. So, um, so there's two things I wanted to ask or to talk about relating to that. One is I love this. It was on your, like I said, it was on your Facebook and it says, um, four reminders for empowered boundary setting. The first is when you refuse to set boundaries, you prioritize others' comfort over your own needs. Number two is difficult honesty is not unkindness. Oh, that's so good. Number three is you cannot manage your boundaries and other people's feelings at the same time, which is codependent, like 101. And then number four is it's not your job to protect people from feeling uncomfortable. All of those, I'm like, ding, ding, (laughs) ding, ding. And when you were talking, part of me too was wondering... How much of girls need, because I know growing up I was really sensitive and really empathic, and how much of girls wanting other people not to be uncomfortable is because they feel their other people's discomfort in their own bodies. Yes. And how do you guys deal with Right on. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't think we've talked about that specifically, mm. but I love it, and I definitely relate, and I think a lot of them – You know, I think we've definitely talked a lot about like what it means to be an empath and what it means to have psychic boundaries, you know, and I think that that's a big piece of it is being able to recognize when we have talked about that, like when what you're feeling is yours and when it's somebody else's and how can you tell? What an amazing conversation to have. Totally. Because um, I think you're totally right that a lot of times it's because they can feel the other person's uncomfortable or they can feel the other person's sad or disappointed and they yeah. can feel that inside of themselves. So they're yeah. like, well, I don't want to feel that. Um, and so, and I think in those situations where we do kind of, we don't withhold, we don't hold up our boundaries and we allow things to happen um, that don't feel good for us or we're, we're protecting other people's emotions. What happens is like, there's we're avoiding immediate discomfort but what we're sacrificing is like ourselves because you know it's that moment where you're like oh sure I can accommodate this I can accommodate this so that this person doesn't have to feel that or I don't have to feel them feeling that yeah but then later that day typically what happens is you feel resentful or like the part of you that wasn't taking care of yourself comes up and says hmm okay, well now I feel even worse. And when we do that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, a lot of, you know, my adult clients, um, have completely lost connection with what, what they Uh, even feel or what it feels like to, to, um, to honor their own feelings. Like it's just so programmed out of us over years and years and years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. Being able to locate all these parts that you kind of squished down mm-hmm. and said, yes. no, I'm going to take care of this other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so Maureen Cassidy is a yoga teacher. And so we always do yoga in the beginning. And I love oh. that because it gets them in their bodies and we can't do this work if we're not in our bodies. Yeah. And I think so much of education, um, and I think this is changing in a lot of ways and there's so many amazing, amazing educators and, um, who are bringing more of an embodiment practice into learning. Mm-hmm. But I think so much of the learning that they experience is very about, very much about the mind mm-hmm. and it's in our heads. And so to see them kind of come into their bodies 
and Maureen does a lot of like um, guided um, self-compassion stuff during the meditation where it's all about really helping them actually feel that connection with themselves Ah. feel their own feelings because I think this yeah this is also just a cultural thing Mm -hmm. and specifically like a white cultural thing I think is that like not being embodied and like just being in our heads yeah and so I think that's a key piece of both healing from trauma but also preventing trauma um, is knowing how to come into our bodies and knowing how to feel our feelings without disconnecting from it or numbing it or pushing it away. Yeah, because the body is such a, it's us. And we tend to think we're our brains, mm-hmm. but we're it's all of us. Mm-hmm. And um, the I feel also that the disconnect is dangerous because our bodies are great. They're like little compasses that tell us which direction is right for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the physical sensations that happen when you're uncomfortable with mm-hmm. something and it's like, I feel this discomfort. This is giving me clues about something. It's giving me clues about what I really want mm-hmm. or what I desire or what I don't desire or, you know, this person doesn't feel safe to me or it's mm-hmm. all, it's just the physical body feels like such an amazing instrument mm-hmm. to disconnect. And li- like you said, I think the schools are changing. Teachers are learning yoga and you know, mm-hmm. they're doing it, mm-hmm. but the structure itself hasn't always been conducive to um, incorporating the whole body and the mm-hmm. whole self into learning. Mm-hmm. But thank goodness that, that there are teachers in schools that are making those changes. Totally, Yeah. Yeah. And I think especially for like the mental health piece, because really what I see, I, I've done um, my background is in social work. And so I was a school social worker and then I did a lot of um, youth organizing where I was working in schools. And um, and I think what what I see our work is, is like supplemental social emotional learning that, you know, they're doing some of that in schools and that's wonderful. But I think there's a lot more. That needs that can happen better outside of the schools, outside um, of the schools. Yes. So, and I think it's great to happen in the schools as well. Mm-hmm. And I, Maureen and I, are both interested in working more in the schools. But there's something about being outside of the school, yeah, where they can get more embodied because I think it's it's just a safer space. There's something about physical space too. Like Maureen's mm-hmm. um, studio is very soft and just everything about the physical space is conducive to that relaxation and coming into your body and we sit in a circle versus oftentimes at schools there's like desks or tables or Mm -hmm. like all these different things where um I think that um I forgot where I was going with that but I agree and I it makes me wonder about uh Waldorf Mm-hmm. And just what you were talking about with handwork and the tactile. Yeah. Um, we had our oldest in Waldorf for around a year, I think, when he was really little. Oh, cool. And thought about keeping him on that track, um, but ended up going in a different direction. And uh, I 100%, the wall, even the paint color on the walls, everything mm-hmm. is given thought. Mm-hmm. Any texture that you touch in the school is either wooden or cloth or wax. It's mm-hmm. like only natural 
yeah. fabrics or things you would find in nature or they bring things from outside inside um and then the the stark difference between going into like a 4k classroom mm-hmm. where it's just all plastic fluorescent mm-hmm. lights you know at the Waldorf school I think it was mostly lamps like mm-hmm. soft lighting yeah, my and... my ex-boyfriend mm-hmm. three kids went to Waldorf and oh I really love I'm like can I <laughs> can I live here can I go here I don't know <laughs> it's so magical but I agree totally it makes a massive difference in how you feel mm-hmm. just being in the room. Totally. And I think about that with schools. Um, even just, can we just put some lamps in those Please. study hall rooms instead For of fluorescent lights? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. Like as a therapist, I think about that so much because um, it's absolutely essential to make sure that there's like soft things. And like when we're talking about trauma, I'm not going to be like sit in your chair and like, here's a fluorescent <laughs> light. Like that's not conducive to healing, mm-hmm. you know? So I think about that a lot as a therapist. And then when I do go into like schools, sometimes I'm just like, what? I would, I mean, I know that I liked school and like I did well in school in a lot of ways. I did well with like the structure. Like I was like, okay, I know what to do and I can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, oh, my gosh, like, just the feeling of having to sit for that long yeah, is, I just, I, I think that when, when, when the kids come to Maureen's place, like, they're just so ready to be able to move around and just the freedom of, like, moving your body when you want to move your body. And that's something that we always talk about is, like, mm. if you need to get up and go to the bathroom, if you need to get up and move around, whatever you need to do, you, this space is about you listening to your body. Yeah. And that's not possible in public schools because they have to make sure that everyone's safe and, you know, and I get that, but it's so wonderful to have a space that's really about more than anything. It's about them taking care of themselves. So like, if that means that they need to walk outside and they miss some of what we're doing, I'd rather them do that because we're training them out of this space of, um, being, yeah, disempowered in their own learning process. Mm. So the empowerment thing, you know, we call it girls empowerment and it really is like, we want them to direct what we're doing as much as possible and bring their voice into the room and their power and their choice. Um, so we, and they're not always, they're used to being in, you know, a classroom where, it's more didactic and and you um, have to ask to go to the bathroom and you have to ask to eat and all that yeah stuff. yeah mm-hmm. and for me as somebody who has ad abd and um like i have to be doodling and drawing uh-huh and so we always encourage them to like do whatever they need to do and honoring their bodies honoring themselves um so yeah and one thing that i want to talk about with the the body image um stuff that we do and we do have a, a body image zine on our website oh um, what's your website our website is girls dot space um and so we have this zine um about body image and um one of the things that i i've really enjoyed when we've done the body image um curriculum or the, the days on body image um, is we've done this, this art therapy, um, piece where you draw an outline of your body and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be like accurate or anything. Um, and on the inside you write things about yourself that you 
or qualities about yourself that have nothing to do with your appearance. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah, because I just feel like there's such this emphasis on appearance and like, obviously, and that um, part of healing from that, I think, is emphasizing all of our other qualities, you know. So in the inside, they'll write things like I'm kind or I'm creative or um, I'm an introvert or all of those other things for yeah. them to focus on. And then on the outside of that, they write down all the things that they want to put their en- attention and energy into outside of their appearance. Ah. Because when I think about how much time and energy women and girls spend Dude. focusing on their, <laughs> oh my God, it, it like, I feel like enraged, right? Because like, it's just like, it's, it's a shame that all of this beauty and power and like energy and creativity um, is being squelched by this focus on your body and your appearance when like, oh, it's just, to me, that's like the saddest thing. Um, not just for the individuals, but like as a society, as a culture, like let's free up all this creativity and energy and passion. And these girls have so much ideas. We asked them like on the last day, like what would be one policy that you would want to change if you were president and they were like ready really they said that they wanted to end all wars and put instead of putting money in the military they wanted to put it into education Mm. and climate change solutions and they wanted to address lgbtq rights and Mm. racial equity and all of this like they they have so much to offer but nobody's really asking them or listening to them. And instead, they're wow. being told to obsess over their bodies and their skin and their hair and whatever. And it's just so Was sad. Was that to me. exercise hard for them or were they able to just get on it? They were totally able to do it. Yeah. They were ready for it. And like, so it was really sweet. Some of the things that they said like a lot of it was like they wanted to play music or they wanted to play with their pets or play with their friends or they wanted to be a good student or you know all these other goals and things that they have and so I'm really excited about that activity and that's part of the the body image workbook that we have that people can I want to do it yeah I'm like seriously 46 I want to do it because I I still have those old thoughts in my head from when I was growing up and you know all the magazines and the I don't know Mm -hmm. what it's like my daughter's three so I don't know what girls are looking at now I know there's positive messages out there but every single I bring this up a lot every single face pretty much that you see on any screen is going to be gorgeous Mm -hmm. and that's off-putting it's not what real people look like right you know real people are beautiful but unique and they yeah. they don't have really symmetrical faces usually and, mm-hmm. and things you know or their skin like they're it's not a realistic representation of the population At what all. you see on screens and that because so much time is spent on screens exactly it does concern me yes and I think there are more body positive images and but there's also just a lot more access to social media where there's like you know Instagram where there's all these Instagram models or whatever there's still that same influencers or something influencers and whatever it looks a little bit different yeah but I think they're still being bombarded even though there are more 
antidotes. There's more like body positive stuff. But that's one thing that we say in the workbook is a big part of this is curating your social media Mm. so that you're not following people who make you focus or who who um, are going to influence you in a way that makes you focus more on that and noticing when you're getting into compare and despair on social media and what is that that's like when you start comparing yourself to somebody and thinking they're better than you in all these ways and then you start feeling more and more despair so yeah compare and despair it's like Mm. this total rabbit hole that we can get into and so we talk about that like when you're on social media and you notice that you're falling into that bringing that mindfulness to it and being like okay I'm getting pulled into this comparison trap Mm -hmm. and how am I feeling well I'm feeling really drained I'm feeling sad I'm feeling bad about myself and so some of the actions to take are like curating your social media so that you're not following people who make you feel like that for yeah. one mm-hmm. um and that you're following people and accounts that are putting positive messages you know there's a lot of stuff on social media that's about you know beautiful landscapes or body positive messages mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of stuff that's not appearance based yeah so just that discerning like appearance-based messages and non-appearance-based messages yeah and the appearance-based messages aren't always like it's not always like a a commercial for you know makeup or whatever but there's a lot of stuff out there that just has that vibe around it and I think that that is so damaging to young girls because exactly like you said it's not an accurate representation and then here they are feeling terrible about themselves for absolutely no reason yeah yeah And it's making, and also we talk a lot about really helping them understand that like, there's a reason this is happening. It's because certain people are making money off of this Mm -hmm. and it's not just a random thing. Like Mm -hmm. this is completely intentionally created. Yeah. Um, And so when they, when they hear about that, I think that helps too, is like helping them understand and have the media literacy to 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 really distinguish um the intentions behind something and they're smart enough to know that um that there are people who are making who are making these decisions for their own greed you know I talk about that with my nine-year-old son when as it relates to advertising and particularly sometimes with cd covers or I don't know, album covers. What do we call these now? People don't <laughs> buy CDs anymore. But if it's some, if it's a woman and she's half naked, I'm always like, what are they using to sell this? Mm-hmm. And by exactly. now he's like, a woman's body. <laughs> like he already knows yeah. that that's where I'm yeah. going with it. But I want him to be aware that there's a strategy to this. Mm-hmm. We don't exploit women's bodies. And mm-hmm. this is using skin Mm -hmm. to sell music Mm -hmm. you decide what you want to decide about that Mm -hmm. I'm not exactly for it Mm -hmm. you know like show me the music that's great but I don't need to see side boob in Uh order to buy right you know what I mean (laughs) I just want him to like at least like you said the literacy I want him to be able to at least recognize what's Mm -hmm. happening in the world yeah and then make this you know he can decide for himself whether he's offended or not Mm -hmm. but I don't know if they're teaching those kinds of things in school yeah, or not. I or. think there's some 
amazing teachers who probably are in a lot of schools that are, but um, I think that it's, again, it's like if we looked at the actual numbers of images that are being bombarded per day, you know, yeah. it's like a steady, a steady stream. So, um, yeah, and I think that the girls – it's a good time again to have this intervention yeah. and have them make that agreement to themselves or make that decision themselves that like, I am not going to waste my precious energy and time and resources on things that are based in this lie that my value and my worth mm -hmm. has everything to do with my appearance and that I need to look a certain way in order to be accepted that this is a lie. Yeah. And it's really never brought anybody <laughs> anything good. You know, there, it's one thing to be like, healthy and love <laughs> yourself and to yeah. feel beautiful and to, you know, to whatever, express yourself through your style. That's all great. But that's really, I don't think anything positive comes out of that. And so for them to make that decision of like, I only have so much time and energy every day and I'm going to choose not to mm. do this. I think it's such a great thing when it's coming from them that they're seeing this and they're making a decision for themselves that like I have things I want to do with my life and my time and my energy. Um, yeah, because they're once they're feeling worthy, then their time is an investment. And it's mm -hmm. like, what are you investing in? What's your return on this? Yeah. If you're going to invest in Kendall Jenner or whatever. Right. What's your return? <laughs> right. What are you getting, what are you getting out, out of, of this? this? Nothing. Less nothing. than nothing. Yeah, totally. And I always tell them that like, because I struggled a lot with like body image and came from a family that had a very strong emphasis on like beauty and appearance. And so that was a big part of my adolescence was like focusing on that. And when I look back, I feel like, you know, and I did other stuff too. I played soccer and I did art and I, but I wish I would have spent time practicing my violin and reading books mm. and so many things that I can look back and be like, okay, all those hours that I spent, whatever, reading 17 magazine and um, worrying about my body and counting calories, I could have been creating beautiful art mm. or spending time with loved ones. Um, so I think, and I do think it is something that um, is not just for the girls. It's for their families because, like, they bring home this body image book. Yeah. And then, like, their parents are reading it and the whole family's reading it and they're talking about it together, which to me is amazing. Yeah. Um, and that's what I hope happens is that it's like a rippling out, you know, and I think that we need a whole cultural shift that um, that this girls empowerment group is just one piece of, you know, but I think so much is shifting and um, I think that um, I'm really excited for the possibilities for these girls when they're not f spending so much of their time and energy because I think if you look over the last 50 years like honestly like where would we be if it wasn't for so much of this like repression yeah amongst girls of like teaching us to hate ourselves and to waste our time where when would we, we could be? be saving the world <laughs> yeah maybe the world would look really different let's talk about periods let's talk about periods um so yeah they um they are very curious they want to talk about periods a lot and um 
So, which is amazing because I think that it can be reframed as this, you know, this experience that connects us and, um, mm-hmm. we talk about the cycle, the menstrual cycle and how that's, you know, also reflected with like the moon cycle yes. and how like, it's totally normal to cycle through, um, these different phases mm-hmm. of, you know, when we are menstruating, that's associated with like, you know, the new moon time where it's, it's okay to rest. Yeah. You're not supposed to have all the energy in the world. You know, I know as a runner, like when I'm on my week that I'm menstruating, I have so much less physical energy. Cause it's like, yeah, cause my body's like doing this amazing thing. Right. And so let me honor that. And then, so just allowing for them to notice that their bodies are going through a cycle. Mm -hmm. They're not robots that have the same consistent amount of energy and the same consistent feelings every day. Yeah. That it's okay to have these fluctuations and like understanding, um, you know, the actual hormonal changes that happen, understanding the different phases of their period is something that I don't remember learning about. No. And no one ever talked about the moon and like, (laughs) (laughs) no. (laughs) Which I think is just like the coolest thing. It's like so empowering for them to be like, okay, wait. So my cycle is the same exact amount of days as like the moon and like what? Yeah. And just the magic of that, that like powerful. It is. It's so powerful. And that, um, that often we affect each other's menstrual cycle. That's and like, also incredible. When you think about that, it's like, okay, well, we are powerful beyond our ability to even understand. Yeah. And um, and that also it's, yeah, if you actually look at like, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there around actual menstrual blood and like how it has like stem cells. I don't know. It's just like, it's Ooh. like this magical fluid. I don't even know much about it, but I want them to like get excited that yeah. like this isn't just this ugly thing that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It's actually this like affirmation that like you're alive and you're powerful and like you can create life within your own body. And, mm. but also talking about that we all have different experiences around that. And like some, some of us don't men- menstruate and um, just, really having a space to talk about all the different things um, is huge because they're taught not to talk about it. And they're taught that it's kind of ugly and shameful and it's hard and you have to wear, you have to bring your pad and all of this. It's all this like kind of like negative energy around it. And so one thing that we do is, um, we we made our own menstrual pads oh which was so cute it was um ashley hartman annis who's this amazing um she's like a menstrual health educator and a doula and so she created this really great zine that's all about your uterus and it's like so much information about menstruation and um so that's amazing and then we had her come in and she taught us how to make cloth pads Mm. and so we had um with like pizza fabric and like tigers (laughs) and like it was so cute and then um so we talked about yeah like cloth pads as being more sustainable which they're all very concerned about the environment and they want to talk about that a lot so that was a fun piece of it but it's just empowering to be like I made this and now I'm using it instead of being like it's like this fun memory when you have your period versus what they experience now which is like I think they feel a lot of fear that they're going to get their period at school and be unprepared and um, 
So yeah, I think it's it's an invitation for them to connect with their bodies in this loving way. And also just like keeping track of your body is a really good um it's a really good practice anyways because it's like keeping track of your physical symptoms throughout mm-hmm. the month but also keeping track of your emotional symptoms. Yeah. And that's something I do with most of my clients, right? Because I'm like, okay, well, I know that if I'm talking to you, if you're coming in for therapy and it's the week before your period, uh, everything's going to feel like the world is ending. Right. And so if people aren't keeping track, then like we can just get so lost in all these stories rather than being like, okay, actually your body, you're just like really anxious right now and your body is needing to rest. And yeah. so just don't even listen to these stories. Like I kind of wish that there was like a neon sign whenever I had PMS that like reminded me that I have PMS because I can be like, Oh my God, I'm so anxious about this and my clothes don't fit and I feel uncomfortable. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'm like freaking out and it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, no, everything's fine. So, um, so that's a really good practice for them to get into of like tracking their periods. And then of course that's really leads into the sexual health and talking about the I taught a um a class at the First Unitarian Church because they have this really amazing holistic sexual education program that I've heard I went amazing through. things yeah. about that yeah so I was a UU a Unitarian Universalist growing up and so I was a part of the class in seventh grade and it's a year-long course you know and they talk about relationships and sexuality in this really holistic way and then I taught it in um, Madison at the First Unitarian Society for two years in my 20s and I loved it and it was so cute because the the kid the teens um, it was always like their parents felt like they were dragging their teens to church and then once they get to that that year uh-huh. then like the kids are dragging the parents ah. to church because like they're like <laughs> they want to talk about sex yeah of course mm-hmm. and so um so yeah so then we we talk a lot about um the basics of like sexual health and like um, uh, infections and consent and all that stuff. Um, and consent is huge. I imagine they would have a lot to say about it or ask yes. about it or because there's so many gray areas of um, mm-hmm. that would just be fascinating to totally. hear their point of view. Mm hmm. Yeah, so we talk a lot about consent culture, and we talk a lot about, like, practicing consent um, outside of romantic or sexual encounters, you know, but asking people before you touch them or just just practicing asking for consent Mm. more regularly so that it's kind of, like, inserted into our daily habit, like asking consent before you share something that's really intense emotionally Uh. with somebody or, like, just thinking about consent more regularly and incorporating that into part of how they operate in their daily lives. Um, but yeah, I think it is a huge, it's a huge topic to talk about and it's a huge misunderstanding I think, Mm. um, that people have around what consent looks like and what it doesn't look like. And, um, so, and then, so Ali Muldrow, who's a good friend of mine, she's on the school board and she does this amazing work around consent, we're going to, we want to have her come in and, um, and do a lesson around consent. Um, cause I think that that's something that, you know, I really would love there to be a component of the girls group. That's about them developing their leadership so that they can go educate their yeah. peers, you know? Oh yeah. 
So I would love for that to be something, maybe a project that we do where they they maybe give a presentation on consent to their peers, you know, because I really want this to be about them, you know, mm-hmm. taking leadership as much as possible um, because they know their peers better than I do. <laughs> so so I would love to see that happen, of them become their own, yeah, their own leaders educating their peers. This might sound like an obvious question, but um, what's your driving force for why you do this work? Thanks. I like that question. Um, I mean, I think for me, it's like I've always had um, a strong drive that was in my early 20s, um, based on a lot of fear, I would say, about, like, the state of the world and feeling like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, what can I do to, like, yeah, um, to have an impact um, and feeling overwhelmed by, you know, I think as a young person going to college, all my professors were like, well, the world is, like, falling apart, so (laughs) it's up to your generation to fix it. And I was like, cool. So, like... I threw myself into like activism and organizing and all of that stuff. And then it was like a long time of me really realizing that I have a certain skill set and where my skill set intersects with like the needs of the world. I know there's like some quote Uh. about that. That's where I want to go. And I know that I love working with young people and I do have like this ability to connect with young people that not everyone has because some people like don't like working with teenagers and like yeah there's just something about them I'm like I know how to like connect with them and so I'm like okay well this is like a group that not a lot of people know how to connect well with so that was one piece of it but I just love being around young people's energy um I'm I can be pretty serious um and so just being around them like lightens me up like we Mm -hmm. play games and we have fun and we laugh and I kind of am like definitely um uh yeah I have like a a childlike part of me that can come out around them that doesn't get to come out in my like day-to-day adult life yeah so there's that selfish part that like I just love being around their energy um but I think for me it's really about I think this is one of the best for me when I look at the kind of changes that I want to see in the world which is you know a lot of (laughs) different changes and I think that there's like (laughs) some major threats to our survival um Mm -hmm. as a species and like there's um but I think empowering women and girls is like one of the best things that we can do that that's that will change so much yeah just in and of itself so I think um investing in young people investing in the next generation investing in their leadership and their ability to um to bring their all to the world and the complex problems that we face. Like we're going to need so much creativity to figure all this out. And I think they're this amazing resource and not to put the pressure on them. Like you need to save the world, but like, I just want to do everything I can to invest in them to, um, to bring their creativity and their power and their enthusiasm and whatever it is. Um, I see that as like a huge, um, a huge intervention point that could change a lot. Um, and it sounds, I mean, just from sitting here with you for a couple hours, 
and knowing Maureen, it sounds like you guys embodied that. You bring your whole mm-hmm. self mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. what you do. Mm-hmm. And just being in the room with you mm-hmm. and her, I'm sure they can feel that. Yeah. Because you're alive and mm-hmm. you've done your work mm-hmm. and you're like still working at it. And mm-hmm. I, it's just obvious. And mm-hmm. so to be able to, I guess what I'm saying is you wouldn't be asking them to do something that you haven't already sort of embodied yourself. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I think Maureen, um, (laughs) she has this definitely like she's child sized. Yeah. I think as she calls it. Um, (laughs) So there's that piece of it where like she is very playful and fun. And I think um, embodies a lot of, yeah, embodies a lot of what she's talking about so it's not necessarily that like we are teaching things we're just kind of being role models and being with them Mm -hmm. in a way that influences them so like yeah I kind of I have I think that like um I kind of try try too hard on the like curriculum side of things and then at the end of the day I'm like it's actually just being with them (laughs) and being myself around them Mm -hmm that is what's the most powerful, you know, and we can do all these other things too. And that's great. But like, I really think it's about the connection. It's about seeing an adult who has figured out how to be joyful still and to um, follow our dreams. And that was kind of where I started. This was like, I think just um, we are also so like separated amongst age groups. Like there's not Mm. a lot of ability to connect um across age groups and so we would love to do more intergenerational gatherings too of Mm. like bringing parents bringing or bringing adults and young people together and um and and maybe even having like a panel where like the young people get to be the ones in the lead teaching the adults wow you know because I think that that's a big part of it is that there is a lot of um, underestimating young people and there is something that happens that's kind of like young people's oppression where like they're they have all this capacity and power in certain ways that they're that they're not allowed to use because they're a child and it's like in some ways obviously they need boundaries and they need um they need support and they shouldn't be in charge of their whole lives but I think that we we forget that like actually they are very capable and they do have a lot to offer and um and so I think that could be a really I think that could be a really powerful shift too just um teaching adults or helping adults learn how to um, really listen to the young people in their lives and to um, do what Maureen and I are doing, you know, in other areas. That too makes me think of um, the school model. The one, What you're talking about is based on relating and understanding and listening and hearing and giving young people space to use their power and own it and demonstrate it. And I think um, it's a contrast to um, the model, hopefully, that we're evolving out of, which has more to do with control Mm -hmm. and direction, Mm -hmm. and it's Mm adult-led instead of Mm student-led, and it's not about relating at all. Mm -hmm. And 
I like your model better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I totally think that, um, like, I remember, you know, studying, like, the beginning of the public school system and how the way we, the way our schools are set up, we're set up to emphasize certain, certain ways of being that are, um, that are applicable for certain types of jobs, you know, where a lot of the jobs available um, when the public school system was beginning and even today um, don't involve a lot of creativity or choice or voice. It's a lot about just doing what you're supposed to do and, you know, staying in line. Yeah. But that's not the type of education that like our young people need because we need them to be really empowered and to be able to use their voice and use their creativity I mm-hmm. think we need that and oh so yeah and innovative and if it's an idea that feels yeah. r- risky to share that's the idea that yes. you share yeah the safe space to do that yes so I think um I have to also like catch myself a lot like I said with like I'll always come with a plan but then I would rather follow what they're come what they're bringing yeah than like my previous plan Mm. you know because (laughs) I can I can get caught in like thinking that I know what's best or you know that Mm. I know what they need to learn or it's better for me to explain it to them and so I have to check myself and be like nope this I'm gonna listen to them and follow their lead and also you know bring bring what I have to offer but it's a really different model and Mm. Um, sometimes it feels easier to just like talk at them, but that's not the (laughs) point of this. Um, and they always, you know, I think just given, given the space, they, they are always able to rise to the occasion and, um, they have so much to share. It's amazing. I just, I wish that I could like record some of it and share because I think people would be amazed I would at what's inside these young girls. Yeah, you, you should. That would be amazing. They would love that. They would? They could. I mean, like, I think that we could, um, I think a lot of them would love it to, like, hear about the podcast and, like, see the microphone and, like, hear about audio stuff and, like, to be recorded. Let's do it. I would, I, I would love to. I think we totally should. Yeah. But, yeah, I just, every, I'm just like, wow, I wish, I wish more people, like, could really see everything that's inside of these girls. And I do think that it's so easy to underestimate them. Yeah. People don't realize like how intelligent and creative and powerful and amazing they are. And I think that's a huge loss for us. Mm. I wonder if maybe in like future, what are you calling these cohorts or groups or future down the road, if there will be talking points for the grown-ups in their lives to oh God, that could be the podcast <laughs> help I love it help start those conversations mm-hmm. instead of like what did you do today at school that's not gonna get that's, that's not gonna get you anywhere I'm sure you guys yeah. probably have ideas of how to open up the real conversations mm-hmm. you know totally yeah and I think that there's just something too about it that like some of these conversations a lot of their parents probably say these things to them all the time, but they, they can't hear it. Yeah. And there's something about having another adult connect, uh, you know, the dots, mm-hmm. I think, especially around like the sexual stuff or some of the other stuff. It's like, 
I think a lot of the parents are like, I'm telling my children this, but they, for whatever reason, just can't hear it from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think especially around like the dating and sexuality stuff, there's just, it's great to be able to talk to your parents about it, but then it's also great to be able to talk about it without your parents. <laughs> <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. some things you just don't want to share with your parents. Yeah. Too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm going to repeat your website to make sure I've got it. It's girlsempowerment.space. Yes. And you're starting a new group when? Yeah. So our next group will start in February. And if people want to sign up, mm-hmm. they would go to the website? Yes. People okay. can sign up at the website, girlsempowerment.space. Okay. And then we'll have, so we'll, we'll be doing next year, our plan is to do like classes that are like you come every week, but then also like one time workshops because uh-huh. we want to have like more entry points for people to be involved so like sure. if some of them don't want to do the whole class but want to come uh, to like a two-hour class on painting or yeah. like we'll have that assertiveness training that'll be like a one-time thing so mm-hmm. it'll be like a Saturday or two hours or jewelry making like those kind of things so yeah do you have a website for your other yes so my website is um www.medicineforthehart.com and so that has lovely yeah so that has my therapy and my art and then it has like classes other things I do is like the girls empowerment but then I also do some other stuff around um related to the therapy more um or my art for the heart Mm -hmm. I love that dot com Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This This was so fun. Wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) I could just keep talking for hours.